you're listening to the Pomerado Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for spending time with us today. If you're a weekly listener, welcome back. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here and hope you consider subscribing. If you're in your car, on a run, doing things around the house, or working out, and want to connect even further and take next steps with us, visit pomerado.info. Now, enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. I want to welcome all of you who are here with us in person. Uh, I want to welcome those of you who are joining us live online. And whether you're live in person, live online, or whether you're watching or listening throughout the week, just welcome. Know that we're so glad you're part of the service today. And we're excited to jump right in as we conclude our series called A Generous Life. Now, before we open up our passage. We'll be in Matthew chapter 25 if you want to um, start going over there in your own Bibles or if you want to follow in the Bible app, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. But as you're looking at that and as you're going in that direction, I want to ask, have you ever been entrusted with something that wasn't yours and it did not go as expected? Um, when I was in high school, see, as a senior pastor, um, one of the things that people often will ask me is, do you golf? And I say, no. And uh, what ended up happening was if I've only been on a golf course one time, and I mean, I'm like pretty decent at mini golf, so let's take that aside. Um, but when it comes to actual going to a golf course, it it's almost feels like it's a, something that all pastors are supposed to be able to know how to do. And my only experience is when I was in high school, and we were going, uh, I was with a friend, and we were just going to go to the driving range down the street. And so he uh, let me borrow one of his dad's old clubs. And he said, hey, like, you can use this. We'll just go to the driving range. And I go there, and it looks so easy when you see it on TV, like how easy it is to swing a golf club. And I was there, and I didn't have, like, if you, if you um, are familiar with the Charles Barkley um, swing, his is very, like, herky-jerky. It wasn't that bad. But I had this time where I swung, and I would keep doing it, and I'm like, oh, I'm doing, like, this is decent. At least I felt like it was fine because I had no context. And then what happened by the end of my time there, we weren't there that long, my dad's, or my friend's dad's old club was no longer as straight as it was when I first borrowed it. It was a little bit curvy, and my dad, and my friend's dad, he's like, hey, you know, good thing we used them his old club because he, you know, he's pretty particular about things. He was, his dad was someone that um, wasn't unkind, but he wasn't, wasn't overly warm either. And so um, I remember just kind of like, you know, do I say something to him? And, and, you know, being a high school boy who should have known better, I just kind of like, okay, well, we'll just hide it. We won't say anything about it. Um, he eventually found out and now we're not friends. No, I'm just kidding. That wasn't the reason why. But it was one of those moments where it's something small, right? It's something where it's like, okay, it's something like a golf club that got slightly bent, uh, more than slightly bent, and acknowledging that that was entrusted to me and I didn't handle it well. There are other times when I'm entrusted with something and it's like, okay, I really want to do a good job with this. And that includes when I had the opportunity, I've been able to do dozens of weddings, but there was one particular wedding where usually it's the best man who holds the rings. And so this time the, the, the um, bride and groom didn't have a bridal party. And so it was just me up there. And so I remember checking my pocket like incessantly that whole time because I did not want to lose the rings and to be the one that um, caused that to be an issue. So there's this mindset of when we're entrusted with something that is not ours, we want to maybe, we view it maybe a little bit differently. If we were to borrow a friend's car and get into a fender bender, we'd probably respond differently than if it was our own car. We'd be upset both ways, but how we navigate 
how we utilize what has been entrusted to us will say a lot about our understanding of what it means to be people who are stewards. And so as we enter into our sermon this morning, we're closing our series from A Generous Life, and we've looked at the blessed life, we've looked at a sacrificial life, the um, wholehearted life, we've looked at these different types of things, but this week, what we're going to close with is the idea of a stewardship life. And the idea of a steward might be one that some of us think of when flight attendants used to be called stewards and stewardesses. But besides that, maybe we don't have a ton of familiarity with that. So we're going to unpack what it means to be a steward, what our role is as stewards of what God has given us, our responsibility in the midst of that, and the rewards that come from doing that faithfully. So will you join me in a word of prayer as we get ready for what God has for us as we dive into his word today? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for each person who is part of our service today, whether they're live in person, live online, or watching or listening on demand throughout the week Lord, I pray that you would go before us in this time. I pray that as we dive into your word, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time that we have together. And I thank you for the fact that that you love each and every one of us more than we can know. And you've given us more than we can understand, Lord. So we give this time to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it's called the stewarding life in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. And I want to, I want to pause it. I want to prepare and show what our main point is going to be throughout our time together this morning. And on the screen here, our main point is this. The goal is not to have the most. It's to be the most faithful with what we have. The goal is not to have the most. It's not whoever dies with the most toys wins. It's not that. It's we want to be the most faithful with whatever we have. If we have a little and we are faithful, that is better than having much and lacking faithfulness. And so it's important for us to to allow this to come into our hearts and our minds because it's so easy, and we're going to unpack this later on, it's so easy for us to compare what other people have and say, well, I'm upset that I don't have what they have, therefore it shapes and it changes my perception of what I have. As we know, comparison is the thief of joy, and we acknowledge the fact that instead of looking from the left to the right to see what other people have, we can look up and be thankful for what God has allowed us to have. So the goal is not to have the most, it's to be the most faithful with what we have. What does that look like? We're going to unpack, as we look into Matthew 25, we're going to ask a couple of questions this morning. And the first question we're going to ask is, What's, what's our role? Like, what is our role in all of this? What does it mean? What does it mean to be a steward? What does that definition look like? And how does that mindset change how we look at our things, our gifts, our passions, our abilities? The first thing we need to know is that God is the owner. We are the stewards. God is the owner. We are the stewards. That everything we've ever had, ever will have, all the capacities we are able to do, all of our abilities, everything was given to us from God. Now, some of us, that that might cause us to push back a little bit. We'll say, I'm the one that was able to make this out of my abilities and skills. And that's absolutely right. We're not called to laziness, but we're called to faithfulness. And we're called to look at whatever God has given us. Not just finances. If you've noticed throughout this, week, this series, as we're looking at a generous life, we're not just talking about money. That's part of it, but it's not all of it. So God is the owner. We, our role, is as stewards. Now, 
Some of us, again, we might think of things like stewards or stewardesses that were on the plane before they, um, we call them flight attendants. But when I think of the word steward, there's, um, again, I've used Lord of the Rings before, but I'm going to use it again because this is the one that rem- reminds me of it. This is Denethor, son of Ichthylian. And you don't even need to know any context of the story, but does this look like a nice man? He just looks angry, right? Like, he's just kind of like, when he talks in the movie, like, his, his jowls right here quiver, even if he's, whatever he says. I'm like, you are upset. And so here's the idea what you need to know. This is Denethor, son of Ichthylian. You don't need to write that down. Um, but he is someone that he is the steward of Gondor, which is this kingdom in this area that is um, one of the... Where the men, there's different races, and this is one of the biggest kingdoms, the most ancient kingdoms for all the men. And he was in charge of looking over the kingdom because the king had gone away. And so as the steward of Gondor, his job was to take care of the city. And then when the time came to relinquish power and authority, he was to relinquish it to the king. Now, for generation upon generation, the king never came back. And so the stewarding line has gone through his family for generation upon generation. And when you think that you're here in a role as a steward, you think, okay, I want to just handle and I want to respond well with what's been given to me. But if generation over generation happens and we don't understand our role as stewards, we begin to think, like Denethor thought, we begin to think that we are the owners of everything. And so the time comes when Gandalf, who's the wizard, he comes in and he shares and he says that it's time the new king is going to be coming and Denethor gets upset he says I've seen what you're trying to do you're trying to supplant me and Gandalf says this he says that authority was not given to you to deny the return of the king steward and at the word steward Denethor gets up off of his throne and gets livid why because he lost the idea that he was a caretaker And thought that he was the one that was in charge. If we look at our money, our gifts, our time, our friendships, our workplace, our neighborhoods. If we look at everything around us as if we own it. It's ours. And we confuse the role that we are called to be stewards and that God is the owner. We run the risk of having this kind of attitude whenever we are asked to give up of our time, give up of our treasures, give up of our talents. Whenever we're called to give it to someone else, we think, no, 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 it's mine. And we echo the, the pelicans, or sorry, the um, seagulls in Finding Nemo, which is mine, 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 mine. And we get upset when anyone asks because in reality, all of it, all of it is God's. Let me give the example. In Matthew 25, as we start reading our text together, in verse 14, he says this. Again, it, the kingdom of God, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Whose wealth is it? His wealth. Okay. Entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Now, all of this was the man's, he was the owner, he's the king, he's the one, he's, this is all his, and it's his wealth that he gives to different people based on their ability. Now, as someone who can easily fall into the trap of comparison, I think, well, man, that's not fair that one got one, and another got two, and this guy got five, and why is it that they, that person got more, and it would be so easy to be the two-talent 
person or the two bag of gold person or the one talent person and say, well, I don't have as much as that person, so I'm not even going to try. Or I'm not, it's not fair. And because it's not fair, I'm not even going to put the effort in. But our role is not the owner. We don't get to determine the gifts that we are given. We don't get to determine the abilities that we are given. We don't get to determine that. We get to determine how we respond to it. Our goal is not to have the most. It's to be the most faithful with what we have. So here we go. We continue on. And coming up here, I want to share a couple of quotations for you. So let's go to the next slide. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's. What is the earth? Whose is it? The Lord's. And everything in it. Is it most of it in it is his? No, it's everything is in it. The world and all who live in it. Everything is God's. All of it is God's. In fact, Abraham Kuyper on our next slide here says it this way. He was the former um, prime minister of the Netherlands at the turn of the 20th century. He says it this way. He says, there is not one square millimeter on this entire creation about which Jesus Christ does not cry out, this is mine, it belongs to me. The, The Lord owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Everything in the earth is the Lord's. Everything in it. All of creation Jesus was the firstborn of all creation. He's the one that in him and through him all things were made. And so all of it is God's. All of it is Jesus's. He is the owner. He is the man in this parable. And we are the stewards. We've been entrusted with things. We may want more. We may want less. But John 3.27 talks about when John says, listen, a person can only do with what has been given to him. And then a couple verses later is my life verse where it says, When John says, he must increase, speaking to Jesus, referring to Jesus, excuse me, he must increase and I must decrease. It's saying, listen, I don't get to control what I have, but I can control how I handle it. C.S. Lewis says it this way. Every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not, in a sense, his own already. So some of us might be feeling some tension now because we're thinking, no, but I own this and I worked hard for it. You did. I'm not saying you didn't. But the ability you had to, your power of thinking that maybe allowed you to move up in your role in your career in order to have the money in order to buy a house was given by God. The ability that you have to move if you work and you have to use your limbs, that moment to moment was given by God. All of it is his. He is the owner. We are the stewards. Deuteronomy 8 continues this thought that C.S. Lewis talks about, but Deuteronomy 8 is something that speaks into it as well. You may say to yourself, this is Moses speaking to the people in his final sermon. He says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. All of our gifts, all of our capacities, all of our resources, whether it's temporal or treasure or time or talent, all of that was God's first that he gave to us. It's like when you have kids and you, they say, well, this is my toy. I'm like, did you pay for that toy? They're like, no, but it's mine. Like, you're right, I gave it to you. It is a gift. But if We've had the same toy for 11 years, and it's time to get rid of it. You know, like you just start to think about the owner can decide what to give and when to take away. 
And as Job says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord, even when we don't like it. Why? Because God is the owner. We are the stewards. So maybe that's still, that's still hard for us, and we'll, we'll keep going inside the passage, because the next question that we need to ask ourselves is this. We know what our role is. We are stewards. We are entrusted with something of value from the owner, from the king of the entire universe. He's given you certain faculties. He's given you certain capabilities. He's given you certain financial things. He's given you certain skill sets that no one else can have in the exact same way that you have them. And so if that's our role, that we are the stewards and God is the owner, what is our responsibility with that? What is our responsibility when it comes to taking care of something of value that has been entrusted to us by another. So coming up, we'll have a, our family will be going on a, a short vacation. And as we do, we're trying to navigate what do we do. Because we have, um, before we had kids, vacations were real easy, right? Then when you have kids, vacations get harder. But you get to a, a stage of life where it's easier for you to go on vacation with kids. And then about you know, a year and a half, almost two years ago now, we decided to add a dog to our family. And now a dog adds just a whole nother dynamic of this. And, and um, Shaylin uh, had like, you know, little, a little bow for her hair from when she was little, and she just clipped it. It's, it's not one of the like, pinchy clips, so he's not in pain, but just like, put it on here, and this is what she likes to call uh, the dapper pooch, which I just think is fantastic. And so, um, so we're thinking, like, what do we do now when... We, need, we want someone to be able to watch after our dog, that, that he's valuable to us. He's not coming with us, right? But we, we want to figure out how can we find a place or a, a situation in which someone can watch our dog. And so we've had other people come by before, and that's been great. Um, we've had them go to a friend's house, and that's great. But now it's, we have a dog, and we're trying to figure out with our home. So we looked into and started going with this uh, Trusted House Sitters app where you could kind of put your... Um, housing situation up and someone could watch it and then you could go and it's basically a way that you can go to different places and it's it's free to you once you sign up for it and it's free to the people you don't pay them necessarily but you get to have someone look over your house so recently we had someone come over that when we go on vacation how does our dapper pooch do with her but also show them the house and say this is what it looks like to take care of our house so we show and we have this huge guide that's like, here's what, how it looks for cleaning. Here's, you know, here's what the dog needs to, not the dog needs to know, what you need to know about the dog. Um, here's all these different things of how to make sure we give as much information as possible for whoever it is to be a good steward of our home for the nights that we're gone. And so we think about this and say, this is what we want you to do. So she came over last week to be able to introduce, like meet the dog um, and just kind of see the lay of the land of our home and just get an idea so that when that time comes, she'll be ready. But could you imagine this? Okay, so we're leaving for a few days. We come back, and she decides, like, what if we showed up? Imagine the moment where we show up. And, and when you walk into our home uh, from the front door, there's a bathroom right here. There's stairs that go upstairs. You go here, there's like a little, like, family living room, like a living room, and then there's a wall, and then a family room, and then the kitchen is in the back. Could you imagine if we show up after a few days of being gone, and she said, I decided to do some construction. I'm going to knock out that wall in there. It really divides, and I really like an open concept for this home. And so I'm going to go ahead and I just get burlap on the side. I'm just thinking of every, like, Chip and Joanne Gaines I've ever heard of. And so just recognizing, like, hey, here's what we're going to do. And you know what? I was able to find, like, I, you know, 
it's not on me, so I was able to find uh, one of your credit cards that you had. So I just put it all on your credit card, and the construction's already started. The demo's tomorrow, but, you know, we hear the plans. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, your role was to be the steward. You're not the owner. And your responsibility is to take care of our dog or of our house. Imagine if she shaved the dog and like now he's hairless. Like look at this dapper pooch. Can you imagine him with no hair? Like there's a role. We are the stewards. God is the owner. There's a responsibility. It's to take care of what has been entrusted. Not to change. Not to make in our own image. Take care of it. Here's the example we see from Genesis chapter 2. That in the very beginning of creation, God created man. He created all this. And on this, in chapter 2, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. To work it. It was work. Work is not, people will say, oh, work is a result of the fall. No, no, no. The fact that work is hard is a result of the fall. We were all created to do work. How can we be made in the image of a God who created all of this and not be made in the image of someone who feels called to create and to work? But our job is not to just work it however we want. Our job was to work and to take care of it, to nurture. And that means to prune sometimes. It means to plant. It means to water. It means to take care of the garden. So there are times within us that we have to take care of what God has entrusted to us. Bill Peel, he explains it this way. He says, God owns everything. We're responsible. What's our responsibility? We're responsible for how we treat it and what we do with it. If someone gives you a gift and you don't do anything with it, does that honor the giver? No. If someone gives you a gift and you re-gift it at your company work Christmas party, does that honor the giver? No, but sometimes it's necessary. I get it. No, I'm just kidding. So it's acknowledging the fact that we are, God owns everything. Our responsibility is how we treat it and what we do with it. So let's see what the scripture says about this as we go to the next um, passage here, or the next section here is verses 16 through 18. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once. Notice that. It's immediate. He went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So there's a couple of things that are important to notice here. The first one is the one that resonates with me, is the fact that when I, I resonate with the two-talent person. And, and to be clear, this translation of the NIV says bags of gold. Um, some of your translations will say talents. So this is the parable of the talents. Um, some will say the parable of the bags of gold. The reason that it was that is the idea was talent, and talent used to be a monetary value. But what ended up happening over time is that people would read, and even preachers, we would preach out of this passage, and it would talk about putting talents to work, and there would be preachers who would say, okay, this is about using your gifts. But the idea is, Yes, but not just that. So in order to kind of remove the, um, not the double meaning, but the play on words with talents that could be confusing what the point is, the point is that all of what we have, everything of value is given to us so that we can be stewards of it and we are responsible for how do we use it. So the two bag of gold person or the two talent person is the one who could have easily looked around and seen the five talent person say, well, even if I work twice as hard. 
I'll, I'll never get to where he started from. And what's the refrain that we hear from that? What's the refrain we hear from kids? What's the refrain we say ourselves? That's not fair. That's not fair. How come some people ha- feel like they were born with a silver spoon in their mouth? How come some people feel like they were born already rounding third? How come some people were born with these abilities? And the, why, why are some people born in a place where there's freedoms and others aren't? Like, that's not fair. But when everything is God's and we don't deserve or earn it, When we were born, you were given gifts, you were given talents, you were given resources. It may not have been everything you wanted, but it was the daily bread we needed. And so if God has given us everything we need, as one person put, sometimes God gives us enough for our needs, but he doesn't always give us enough for our greeds. And so we could look and say, well, that's not fair. And then we also see that the, two bag, the five bag of gold person put the money to work, gained five more. The one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the one with one who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So here's this. Craig Blomberg talks about this. He talks about not everyone is expected to perform at the same level of competence. God gave, how did he give it? Based on their own ability. It's something where if someone, if we have, if, if you were a student who worked really hard and you know that working at your very best and you're the very best that you're able to do got you a B minus and there were other kids who slacked off and got A's, you'd be upset. But I guarantee you that I would be more proud of a kid or as a teacher of a student who worked hard and got a lower grade than someone who sloughed off and got a good one. Why? Because it's utilizing the gifts, the talents, and doing the best we can. We're not expected to all be A plus, five talent, five bags of gold. We have it all together, people. But all are expected to do their best as faithful stewards, to be faithful. It's not about about having the most. It's about being the most faithful with what we have. That's the point. That's the goal. You may not be the most talented, but will you be able to use your talents and be faithful with it? You don't have the most money, but will you use what you have to be faithful to God with it? You don't have the most time, but with what you have, will you be faithful with it? Because we're not expected to be at the same level of competence. We are expected to be called to be faithful. To put it a little bit more succinctly, we are called to faithfulness, not successfulness. We are called to faithfulness, not successfulness. In fact, we may take that a step further and, and say successfulness is faithfulness. The world's definition of success is who has the most, who reached the pinnacle of their career, who got the best grades, who lives in the nicest house, whose future seems the most financially secure, who knows the right people, and who have the right people know them. That's how the world would define success, and yet that's not what we learn in God's word. Two talent people or two bags of gold people, people who could easily look to someone else and say, that's not fair, but say, God, I don't care that it's not fair because what you give me I want to be faithful with. They win, and they experience the reward. So here, this begs our next question. We ask, what's our role? God is the owner. We are the stewards. What is our responsibility? We are called to faithfulness, not successfulness. 
what is our reward? That sounds a little self-seeking. I'm like, oh, well, be really generous because you're going to get something at the end. But that's not the reward, as we will see, is not always something tangible. But that doesn't make it any less meaningful. Here's where we continue on in the story, starting in, or continuing back on in verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah, in this example, he's able to, yes, you'll be, I'll put you in charge of many things, but what is the reward? Coming and sharing in the happiness of our master. Coming and sharing in the joy of our king. Coming and being in eternity with God and him saying, listen, I know you weren't perfect. Well done. You messed up a lot of times, and you, but you were faithful. That no one is going to, we're not going to be in heaven when we follow Jesus. We're not, none of us are going to be there because of our, anything that we've done in our own abilities. We can't earn our way. We can't deserve it in the same way that God gave us things because when we were born and we couldn't earn them and we couldn't deserve them. But friends, we can receive them and we can be faithful with them. Here's another quotation I want to share. Interestingly, this promise of reward in the New Testament applies not only to the stewards of the huge estates described in Matthew 25, but also to slaves working in a household. Let's go to the next slide. Everyone is a steward in God's household, and everyone can look forward to a reward for faithful service. It's not about how much you have. It's not about having the most. It's about being the most faithful with what you do have. No matter where you are, no matter what you're experiencing, how can you be more faithful with what God has given you? Some of you say, I, I don't have time right now. I, can't, I, I couldn't imagine adding something else to, to my plate. I understand. And maybe it's something where instead of adding another um, commitments that you do, like outside of the house, maybe it's a commitment to text one person in your life that you're praying for them and asking how you could pray. Maybe it's calling one friend that you don't usually talk to on the way to work once a week. Maybe it's having one parent-child date with your kid, no matter what age they are, whether they're grown adults or whether they're still little kids, it's having one-on-one time. Maybe what you can give is time. And it's not blocking a calendar date every week for three hours. It's, I can do this. I can text. I can call. I can hang out. Maybe say, I don't know how to use my gifts. I don't know how to. God has given me something. I don't know what to do with it. Well, as we see, we can't bury it. We can't hide it. But what we can do is figure out how can we be faithful with it. So if you're someone who's, great at just being able to organize things and to be able to help provide structure. Here's my cell phone number. You can help me with that. I'm just kidding. So, 
Oh, that's a great way to be able to serve. I don't like being up front. Awesome. Most people don't. We have areas for you to serve behind the scenes. Maybe it's just stepping out and saying, I'm hesitant to step out, but you say, God, show me where you want to use me and allow me the ability and the perseverance to be faithful in that. And for you, that will be something different than it is for me or the person sitting next to you. So we've asked our three questions. What's our role? God is the owner. We are the stewards. What's our responsibility? We're called to faithfulness, not successfulness. What is our reward? Coming and sharing in the master's happiness for all of eternity. You see, people can do great things. But Matthew 7, earlier in this book, it says, people say, Lord, Lord, look at all this great stuff we did for you. We, we healed people. We cast out demons. We did all this stuff. And he says, away from me, you evildoer. I never knew you. The relational aspect of our, our time with God or having a relationship with God is more important than what we can produce for God. So our reward is that we are known by God. We are loved by God and that we are faithful what he's given us, which shows him and reveals our own hearts to us that we need to remember we are not the owners. We are stewards. And when we give back to God what is always and already and will always be his, then it shows that our treasure is not here on earth. It's up there with him in heaven. So let's close this passage with three, again, brief final observations about stewardship and about the stewarding life. A life that knows our roles, knows our responsibilities, and knows our rewards and keeps those in mind. The next set of verses tells us this. God expects us to be good stewards regardless of how much we have in comparison with others. We've signaled to this a couple of times. But it's acknowledging that not having as much as the next person is not an excuse for not using what you do have. Whether that's time, whether that's talents, whether that's treasures. Not having as much as someone else is not an excuse for not using and being faithful with what you do have. And I'm saying that to you, but I'm needing to teach and remind myself these same things. When you're in a season of uh, coming through COVID and you know that there are people who are watching church online and then any one of us could watch any of the greatest preachers in this world and could watch them instead and you start to wonder, how are we going to compete to that? And it's not a competition in the sense of like our church is better than their church, but how do we keep a community of people engaged, growing, and part of our church body when we compete? When there's other people, they could turn on all these communicators that are infinitely more talented. Does that mean we shut our doors and we don't do anything? No. It means we work faithfully with what we have. It's not about how much we have. It's not about having the most. It's about being the most faithful with what we do have. God expects us to be good stewards. Now, I'm going to, oh yeah, so here we go. The man, starting verse 22. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. 
Do you notice the difference between how God rewarded the one who had five bags of gold and the way he rewarded those with two? There is none. The exact same words are the words he said, you've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and enjoy the master's happiness. Come and share in the master's happiness. Well done, good and faithful servant. He didn't say, hey, good try, try harder. He didn't say produce more. He didn't say get better. He didn't say, hey, come back to me when you have the results I expect of you. He said, well done, good and faithful servant, which is the exact same verbiage he uses to the one who has five bags of gold. Why? Because the point is not about how much we have. It's saying, I want to be faithful with whatever I've been given. And instead of looking to the left or to the right and comparing ourselves and not doing anything, we look up to the one who's given us everything and say, I want to give back to you. That was the first one, the idea that we recognize that there are, we're expected to be faithful by not comparison. We're good stewards. Don't look left to right. They look up. The next point that we see here, the final, one of the final observations, that there are consequences for poor stewardship. There are consequences for poor stewardship. You hear stories about athletes who make generational wealth. And they put their trust in the wrong person. And someone who's made hundreds of millions of dollars is broke. And you think, man, that's not fair. You're right. But there are consequences for that person who is in charge of the money. And there's consequences for us entrusting our hope and our value in the wrong places. There are consequences for poor stewardship. This is where, you know, in verse um, 20, excuse me, 19. It's not on the screen, but on verse 19, it says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. What's, what verbiage do we often use when we say we want to, when people need to be held accountable? It's giving an account for what we've done or not done. So there are consequences. Now, instead of reading all of these verses on the screen, I'm going to turn your attention. So it's Matthew 25, 24 through 30. I'm going to read them. You can follow along, but I just didn't want to have, you know, too many slides here. So here's what happens when we see the consequences of poor stewardship. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servants. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Verse 29, for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This passage took a turn all of a sudden, right? Like all of a sudden it's like, and you get happiness, and you get happiness, and you get the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Like it's very dramatic. And here's why. Would that master have been mad if the one who had one gold or one bag of gold doubled it. Even if what he started with was two, or sorry, what he started with was one and ended with was two. No. Why? 
Because we've already seen evidence of how the master treats the one with the second bag, with two bags. And he already gives him the same reward because it's not based on our production. It's about being our, it's on our faithfulness. But here's something when I read this, I, I struggle a little bit because, one, the idea of him being the lazy servant, this word is in contrast to how the one, the, the one with the five bags said that at once he went and he gave and he made five more, as we looked earlier in the passage. And that was in verse 16. At once, the one with five bags did it. The idea of lazy is the same idea as someone who hesitates. The one who's not sure how I'm going to give what God has given me. Who's unsure how I'm going to serve, how I'm going to give, how I'm going to use my, whatever it is. It's, It's the fact that wicked means evil. Lazy means hesitant. And the master equates the two that if, but here's what's important. You know what I really struggle with? Is when the master comes back and he says, you knew I was a hard man, and yet, and I harvest where I do not sow seeds, and I do this. Does that sound like God? Like he's, the earth isn't everything in it. He can do that. But here's something I want to unpack here, and it says this. The parable is a commentary not on God's character, but on an unfaithful steward's perception of God's character. He says, I know you're a hard person, just like I knew that my friend's dad was not the warmest. And so I was wanting to hide that. It's this idea of, I knew this, but if we believe that our master is harsh and exacting, we will act accordingly. Maybe we won't bury the vast resources that a talent is, let's go to the next slide, which is 15 years wages, but we will serve our own self-interests, not our master's. And in doing so, we will deserve to be overthrown, or excuse me, thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's this idea that if we have the wrong idea, if we think, if we realize that God is the owner and we are the stewards, then we know everything is his. But if we think that we are the owners and God is a thief or a usurper or someone who's trying to take what's mine, then we're going to reject him. We're going to reject what he calls us to do. We're going to say, mine, mine, mine. We're going to hold it to ourselves, and we're not going to learn what it means to live a stewarding life. And we'll run the risk of learning what it means not to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So we know that we have a couple of few final observations. Recognize that it's not about comparison. We're still called to faithfulness no matter what. To realize there's consequences to poor stewardship, to not giving back to God what's always and already has been his. The last one with the last couple minutes I have remaining is a stewardship mindset is not just about money. And we know this. We've talked about this throughout this series. If this is your first week with us, I encourage you to to be a part of some of the other sermons we talk about. It's not just about money, but it is including money, but it's not all of that. Bill Peel continues, and he says it this way. In the same way, we are stewards of everything we've been given, including our time, money, abilities, information, wisdom, relationships, and authority. And we will all give account to the rightful owner as to how well we manage the things he has entrusted to us. God is the owner. We're the stewards. That's our role. We are stewards. Our responsibility is to faithfulness, not successfulness. A reward is to come and enjoy the joy and the happiness of our master for eternity. We can't look to the left or the right and compare and complain. We can look up to be grateful. There are consequences for poor stewardship when we don't use 
And when we're hesitant to use what God has given us and we hold back, but stewardship is not just about our money. It expands it. So I hope as we close our Generous Life series, we recognize, oh, this series is, maybe it's about money. It's about so much more. It's about everything God has given us and us giving out of the abundance that we have as faithful stewards. So I want you to close your eyes for a moment as we close and to think about the moment that many of us want to avoid more than any moment. We do so much to try to put off death and to um, forget about it or to prolong our lives, and that's, that's fine. But we need to be at peace and to live in such a way that in the moment of our deaths, are we ready to meet Jesus? Are we ready to come up to him and, and we try to make an accounting for how we lived our lives? And we say, Lord, you, you gave me some, but I was, I was worried. I was hesitant. I didn't want to give of my time. I didn't want to use my gifts for, for your kingdom. I wanted to use it for my career. Or, God, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I should have done more. I knew that you were difficult. And he says, well, if you knew I was difficult, that's your perception of who I am. And because your perception of Jesus is so far off. As C.S. Lewis says that there are two kinds of people in this world, one that say to God, thy will be done, and the other that God says to them, thy will be done. You choose now who you want to follow. Or are you sitting here and you think, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show up and I don't have as much as the other person, but you say, God, I, I just gave what little I had and I wanted to be faithful to you. There are others who had more than me, but what I have, I give back. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Come enjoy your, mar- your master's happiness. Or if you're the one who has five talents, you give it back. Well done, good and faithful servant. So as we close our eyes and we think about that moment, what do you hear Jesus saying to you? Well done or away from me because you never knew me? And what must you do and how must your heart and your mind and your relationship with God and your relationship with stuff and your relationship with things around you, how much must it change? What do you need to do to change so that maybe you were once someone, maybe right now you're like someone with the one talent or the one bag of gold. What do you need to do to be faithful with what God has given you? Because the goal is not to have the most. It's to be the most faithful with what we have. Heavenly Father, I pray for each and every person who's part of this service, this sermon today. I thank you for the fact that you are with us always and that, God, you are You've been faithful to us even when we aren't always faithful. But Lord, I also thank you for the fact that you've given us so much. And and it's so easy for us to look at the scarcity around us that we don't have enough of this, whether it's time or money or resources or friendships or whatever it is, that we we think of the scarcity. But God, you are a God of abundance. You are one who says, not that we're going to get all the money in the world, but you have enough for us. 
You have enough gifts, enough resources, enough time. You've given us enough to do what you've called us to do in this world. So Lord, I pray that as we end this sermon, that we would be able to do a gut check to think of the ways in which we need to live, continue on how we have, or change what we're doing so that we can hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.